Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. Yes, it's me, the real Jimmy Apple. I'm back. And I want to ask you, how you feeling today, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. And I want to thank everybody who's been writing me, emailing me, texting me, messaging me on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you very much for the kind words and the thoughts and the prayers. I'm doing better. I have a long road still ahead of me. But I couldn't wait to get back on the podcast. It's been almost three months. Actually, it's been a little bit longer than three months since I've been on the podcast. And a lot of people have been asking where I've been, when I'm going to be back. And I've been trying my best. I finally have gotten my voice back a little bit. And it's still going to be a long road before I get back to where I was. And I'm still going to be making some mistakes, but... Editing hides a multitude of sins, my friends. So there'll be a lot of editing on this episode, but I'm back. I'm back, and I want to thank you for your encouragement. So that said, I'll bring up more of that later on in a later episode. uh, This man that's on the podcast today with us has got to be the most patient man I have ever come across. He contacted me three days before I had the stroke. Three days. And we set up a date and time for three days later for the for us to tape the podcast. He contacted me on a Wednesday. I had the stroke on a Friday. We were supposed to tape the following Monday, but I didn't get in contact with him again until a month later. <laughs> and he, I told him what happened and he All he was concerned about was my health. And that was, I didn't contact him until I was in the rehab hospital. Well, make a long story short, I contacted him a month after I got out of the rehab hospital. And I told him, I said, I'd like to do it if you still, if you still, if you still want to. And he was a gentleman. He said, sure. But he says, make sure you help, you know, make sure you take care of your health first. And I just can't say enough nice things about him. I, I, I think that Mark and I became friends through this process as well. Now, Mark is a special ed teacher. He is also an author, a poet. He has one book already out that's been a success. And he has another book in the works that'll be coming out at a later date. But kids that he teaches love him. The kids that he's already taught in the past still keep in touch with him. Parents keep in touch with him. This guy is the picture of a success as a teacher. He's not. He's he's never going to become rich as a teacher. But he's got he. Well, he is rich. Rich in the fact that he's helped a multitude of students, and the students still still keep in contact with him years and years later. But I want you to meet Mark. His name is Mark Chartier, and. He's got a great story to tell. Now, not only is he a teacher, not only is he a poet, not only is he, is he an author, he's also a motivational speaker. 
He's also uh, an educator for parents and caretakers. This guy does it all. He's, he's put his entire life into educating and helping the, the, the special needs students and their families and to, to bring special needs out into the spotlight. And on top of this, on top of all this, this man suffers from Tourette's. He's just, he's just an amazing person. And you have to listen to his story. So I'm not going to keep on harping on it. He's going to tell you all about it himself. So sit back, relax, and let me introduce you to Mark Chartier. Hey, I want to let you know that this episode is being sponsored by Famous Apple Designs. And in honor of my return, the director over Famous Apple Design has decided to offer a 10% discount across the board on everything in the Famous Apple gift shop to all the listeners. And this is only for the listeners of this podcast. That's right. Everything that's in the Famous Apple gift shop right now, including the new designs, is 10% off for the listeners of this podcast. Now, you're going to have to use the special promo code, which is MRC and the number one. Mark, his students call him Mr. C. So, in honor of Mark, we're using MRC1. That's Mr. C and number one for the him being number one teacher. So, it's MRC, no period in there, just MRC and the number one. And you'll get 10% off at checkout. And Speaking of checkout, check out the new designer t-shirts that are in there. The most popular ones right now are the biker t-shirts. They come in the men's and women's styles. It's the biker t-shirt. You want to check them out. They're pretty hot right now. So go over to famousapple.com forward slash gift shop and check out what's available. We have new designs coming in each week. They're coming in a little bit slower. When they first started, the person that used to run the gift shop, who is no longer with us, he uh, just slapped stuff together. It looked like crap, to be honest, and put it in there. Well, we've taken a lot of this junk out, and we're putting in new designs weekly. And they're taking their time with the new designs. So check it out. That's famousapple.com forward slash gift shop and 10% discount for the listeners of the podcast only. We're not putting this promo code on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. It's only for the people listening to this episode. It's MRC and the number one. So go over there, check it out. Check out the biker t-shirts. They're pretty cool. And... I'm going to introduce you to Mr. C himself, Mark Chartier. So as I told you, I have with us today Mark Chartier. He's an author, a poet. He also suffers from Tourette's. And 
a couple of other things. I'm going to let him tell you about that. Let's welcome Mark Chartier. How are you doing today, Mark? Great, Jimmy. How are you doing? I'm doing as best as I can. <laughs> awesome. That's all we can ask, right, that's, my friend? That's right. That's right. You know what? We're both on this side of the grass. We're looking down at the grass instead of looking up at the roots, so we're having a good day. <laughs> yes, yes. One thing I want to share with, with the listeners, you came up with this awesome, 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 awesome saying. And if I wasn't interviewing you, if I didn't talk to you, I'd be stealing this saying. But you wrote, always believe you, you can make a difference, but never let your difference keep you from what you believe. I think that's awesome. Truer words have never been spoken. How did you come up with that, Mark? So I came up with that probably my third year of teaching. I was teaching in uh, the Colorado Springs area at an elementary school. And we had a professional development one summer uh, by this group from Texas called Flip Flippin' that, that did a workshop called Capturing Kids Hearts. And, and, and the, the basis, the foundation for that training was about developing relationships with kids. And there's a lot of tools and skills that I learned in that training that I, that I use in my teaching on a daily basis. Um, I'm sure we'll get to them as we go on with this, with this show. Um, but one thing that I, I gleaned from that, that, from that p- professional development was something called launches. And uh, um, the idea behind a launch was a saying, a motivational saying that you could post in your room, uh, that you could use, refer to during instruction, and especially at the end of an instructional period. So I'm a special ed teacher. So I, I teach small groups of kids anywhere between uh, one student to... 12, I've had groups as large as 12 kids. Uh, typically, they're usually between three to six kids per group. But the launches is something that we refer back to at the end of the instructional period uh, before we send them back to class, just, just to kind of remind them, leave them on a high note. And as I was in this training, I came up with this idea. I've, I've, I'm naturally a creative writer. I've been uh, writing creatively, whether it was poetry or fiction or plays or nonfiction, uh, for 25 years, the last 25 years of my life. So I came up with this saying. I just, I don't know, it just came up in my head. I think that's part of my OCD that goes along with my Tourette's. Is I think about things and words obsessively and compulsively and words that go together. And that was one of the, the sayings that I came up with. Um, and I use it to this day. And, and, and to me, it means uh, when I explain it to kids, especially like first or second or third graders, I can't, maybe they don't have the, the capacity to understand it in their own way. I break it down for them and I translate it for them. Um, at least my translation, which is, A, always believe in yourself, right? Always believe in yourself. Sure. Um, always accept your differences because we are all different human beings there's there aren't any two people in the world that are the same right like we're all unique and and i teach my kids to embrace that diversity the the human diversity whether it's disabilities whether it's uh people of different races different genders different political affiliations uh religious preferences sexual orientations 
I have a, a wide eclectic group of friends, and those are the people that I find I learn m most about life from, right? I mean, how boring would life be if we were all the same? If, if all our friends were the same, had the same interests, the same philosophies, the same viewpoints, like life would be so boring. And so that's basically a statement to embrace diversity, right? Accept your differences, but also accept other people's differences and never let your differences keep you from reaching your dreams, right? Like if you work hard, you can achieve anything, right? And another launch that I, I came up with, and this is a lot easier for the younger kiddos to understand, is if you believe, you can achieve. And that that's very similar to the first thing, the first launch, where if you believe in yourself, you can do it. That's kind of where that saying came from. I know that's a long-winded response, kind of a long-winded person because, <laughs> um, you know, in, in addition to being a special ed teacher, I'm also a, a motivational speaker, and I've spoken uh, just recently. I, I did a keynote at the Alaska Statewide Special Education Conference. In Alaska? Um, where I did it. Yeah, in, in Anchorage in Alaska. Where Beautiful. I did a keynote. Um, and it was basically about... Uh, the power of positive relationships, which, you, you know, like I learned so much from that, that PD that I took from that group, but also having grown up with a disability, when I work with students with disabilities, they're smart kids. They know, they can sense, hey, there's something different about Mr. C. Mr. C is not, Mr. C is what they call me. Uh -huh. They know that Mr. C is not, like every other teacher there's something unique about him right and and i tell kids I, I i'm very open now today i am when i first started my first year it took me a little while to warm up to it but i'm pretty open about hey mr c has some challenges too we all have challenges we all have talents but we also have challenges right and even though mr c might struggle speaking sometimes because i used to stutter quite significantly or Mr. C gets nervous, or Mr. C isn't good with cars or building things. There are things that Mr. C is pretty darn good at, like teaching kids, like making corny jokes, like building relationships, <laughs> like teaching reading and teaching math and teaching behavior and social skills and poetry. Um, and so I always teach my kids to embrace their talents. Yes, it's important that we recognize our areas for growth but we also need to focus on our talents because we all have them we all have them there is not one student that i've ever met that hasn't been good at at least one thing i speak about the power of positive relationships at conferences usually sometimes that's at schools sometimes for welcome backs to teachers and i speak also uh, what's encapsulated in my message is my life growing up with a disability and how that led me to become a teacher of students with disabilities and that unique connection and those unique relationships that I've built with kids uh, throughout my 14 year teaching for, throughout my 14 year teaching career and embedded in this story are anecdotes jokes poems from my book poems from my forthcoming book um, that have been published in other literary literary journals and 
in these poems and, and throughout my book, Fingerprints, and throughout my forthcoming book, I depict the successes of my students and as well as the challenges. It's, it's ironic how, how the challenges that my students face are challenges that I have faced or face to this day, right? Like there have been times where I've literally had challenges right the day before and then the next day I'm, I'm working with a student that has the same challenge. And I'll give you, if it's okay, I'll give you an anecdote right now. Sure. My third year of teaching, I was working with this student and he had a nickname. I, I, I like to give my kids nicknames and his nickname was Racer. And so he liked to race. He was a child, a student with autism. And one day, the night before school, I was really, really struggling with my Tourette's. My Tourette's was really bad. My stuttering had gotten a little bit worse than it normally was. And I was just kind of down in the dumps, right? I wrote this poem that night, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I wrote this poem, and I felt better. And then the next day, I went to work, and I was still kind of down in the dumps. And I just, I just had this feeling like I didn't like myself. Well, then all of a sudden, that day, that next afternoon, I get a call on the walkie-talkie. Uh, Racer is having a meltdown. He needs support. And, and so I, I, I pulled, up my, pulled up my big boy pants, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, Mr. C, time to sh show Racer what you're made of. Because I was struggling with the same thing. He was saying that he didn't like himself. And so I went, I got him from class, and I brought him back to my room. And he told me, he said, I don't like myself. I don't like myself. I said, Racer, I said, you are an awesome, awesome kiddo. You are sweet. You are kind. You are smart. You are funny. And he says to me, he says, and cool? I said, yeah, and cool. And he said, can you tell me all those things again? I said, Racer, I just told them to you. He goes, yeah, but I like hearing you say them. <laughs> and there's actually a poem in my book, Fingerprints, called Racer that is inspired by, by him. And so I told him, I sat him down, and I said, well, I said, let's, let's draw pictures. I, we're going to do something. You're going to draw a picture, and I'm going to draw a picture. I said, because Mr. C's struggling with the same thing. I was very candid with him. I told him, I said, Mr. C's struggling with the same thing. I said, let's draw a picture of things that make us happy. And so we, we took about five, 10 minutes to draw pictures. And he drew a picture of Ludacris, a lowrider, and Mr. C. <laughs> and I drew a picture of him and I racing. And I drew a finish line. And the first thing he did when he saw my picture was he erased his head and he made his head taller because he said he wanted to be as tall as me. And so I said to him, I said, what happens at the finish line? He goes, I don't know. I go, well, let's make the finish line where you and I are both happy with ourselves, where you and I both like ourselves. I said, when should we cross that finish line? He said, well, he said, it might take some time. I said, well, let's make it by the end of school. This was like in April. So we only had maybe five or six weeks of school left. I said, let's make it to that finish line where we like ourselves by the end of the school year. And that guy just changed my life. Uh, he, he, he inspired a poem in my book uh, that is very near and dear to my heart. I read it at conferences. And that was just a phenomenal uh, learning experience, not just for him, but also for me. 
Can can you share that that poem with us? Um, yes, I I had had planned to share two other poems, but I I can share that poem with you too if you want. Yeah, sure. Or or, or okay, okay. Would you like me to read it now? Or? Yeah, yeah. If you could, okay. because okay, great, great. I'll do that now. You piqued my interest here. Okay, okay. So this is called Racer. Okay. You're everything in blue. Blue t-shirts, blue hats, blue pencils. If it's blue, you like it. Just as you like to raise your hand in math. How old is Sonic the Hedgehog, you ask? Well, look, let's look it up. And we always do. You walk into class, whipping your shoulders with a rubber snake. It helps me calm down. Your roomy gaze, working questions you cannot noose. And you never like it when my answer contains the word maybe. Do I have to like you, you ask? No, you don't. Is that a fact or opinion? Opinion. Okay, well, I do like you. I remember the first time I spoke to you. You were at recess and you asked me to race you. After I let you win, you asked me, who's faster, me or the Denver Broncos? And I thought about the drubbing they took the, the Sunday before and pointed your way. And that day we worked on writing when you told me I reminded you of Porky Pig because of the way I stutter. And you apologized, said you felt bad for me because I talked that way. And I wanted to be better for you. I wanted to clean my words clean like water poured from a glass as I told you to be nice to yourself. How awesome you are and funny and smart and nice and cool, you asked. Yeah, and cool. Okay, can you tell me all those things again? But I just told them to you. Yeah, but I like hearing you say them. Like the time you worried about me going to Canada to visit my grandfather and wrote in the worry chest that you wanted to come with me. My voice cornering. I told you I would be back in a few days and that you would be just fine with the sap. Oh, it's not that I'm going to miss you. I'm just worried you're going to have more fun without me. Dear Racer, you showed the rain new ways to fall. Your smile, sharing embers of charity for those that think but do not know, taking the what if and making it the what is. Everyone who knows you loves you like pieces, most unreached, an air tapestry of an eye that only looks out. When we walk and you lag behind, you remind me that no one said, ready, set, and that life didn't always color within the lines of you, for you. Dear racer, you're as beautiful as a second chance. The words you traffic that sound like a toddling breeze pushing between two tree branches. Keep racing. That tree will move yet. But today you came to my classroom wearing a red shirt, red hat, and red shoes. You told me red was your new favorite color. And there was a stitch to your step. You didn't seem like the old racer who laughed when we talked who laughed when we watched Taco Bell commercials or who said he wanted to learn about life from me. Instead, you teetered up to me, your face dressed with decision, voice pulled like roots digging, and said that you didn't want to have autism anymore. It's pretty good. Thank you. Thank it's, you. Pretty, it's pretty good. It's actually... Act, the words... I, almost, I feel like I know this kid now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's an older kid now. Um, I still keep in touch with him on Facebook. He's about 20, 21 years old. Really? Um, 
and I keep in touch with him on Facebook. And he's an aspiring rapper. Uh, he wants to be a rapper, and and he makes these videos on YouTube, these these beautiful videos on YouTube of of just spreading awareness about autism. And and he said he said one time he said autism is just another way of being human, you know. It, and those words stuck with me. Those words stuck with me. And it's the um, truth. Yes, amen, amen. It's the yes, truth. Yes. You know, people 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 look at people in our community. And the one thing, and I told you this, the one thing that irks me more than anything is when they call people like us, myself included, they call us disabled. We're not disabled. We have a couple of disabilities, but that doesn't make us disabled. It just means we have a couple of disabilities. No different than somebody that is a bit overweight or somebody that's short, or somebody that's tall. Everybody has a disability somewhere. Yes. It depends on how you look at it. Yes, yes. And I have a saying, um, another saying, uh, that I I, I, I I got on a meme kick about two years ago where I made a lot of memes. Um, mm-hmm. And I post them to my uh, business Facebook page. And one of the memes that just came up to me as you were saying that is life with a disability is tough, but life without a disability is tough too. Exactly. And, and I, and I always tell my kids, be your own superhero, right? Like the world isn't going to come in and save you. The world isn't going to save Mark Chartier. The world isn't going to come in and save Jimmy Apple. Nope. You know, sometimes you have to be your own superhero. Now that's not to say there aren't supports or resources for you. There are. You know, but but I teach kids early on about I teach kids early on the word advocate and advocacy, mm-hmm. because I think it's so important, even if it takes them two years to learn it. I introduce kids to the word advocate and advocacy, the words advocate and advocacy uh, in second grade, right? sometimes first grade, because I want them to start learning that language, even if they just get exposed to that word. I want them to learn that. You know, I I believe everybody, everybody is entitled to a pity party. Everybody. Because having a disability is hard. And it's okay to feel bad for yourself sometimes. So everybody is entitled to a pity party. But all parties come to an end. Yes, yes. And, you know... You know, after a while, the party's over. You have to clean up. You have to shake it off and go on. Yes, yes. And, and also, it's important that you grow from those experiences, right? Like, exactly. Like another, thing, another thing that I have is personal growth is 10% challenges and 90% how you deal with them. Exactly. Positive attitude is lost on no one. Exactly. If you do not have a, a good attitude and you do not grow from an experience... Then, 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 then the lesson of that that life was teaching you in that moment is for naught. I mean, think about it. When you were a kid, and you had Tourette's, wasn't there times that you sat in your room and seriously, I'm not put, trying to put you on a on a on a spot, but sat there and cried, saying, "I wish I didn't have this." 
Well, um, that's that's kind of a. Uh, I'm glad you brought up that point, that question, because that's that's an important part of my story. I I wasn't diagnosed till I was a senior in high school, so I went through all of public education. I had symptoms from age seven on uh, that waxed and waned, but I didn't know I had Tourette's till I was 17 years old a senior in high school. It was actually my, I was raised by my father for most of my life, most of my childhood. And, and there's a poem about my first red symptom that I'd like to re- read here in a couple minutes. But I was raised by my father and he was a working dad and you know, he was tough at times. He was, he was, he was physically and verbally abusive at times. However, at the same time, you know, I chalk it up as I wasn't always the easiest kid to manage. I mean, I, I was, I, if you read the bio on my website, I I had significant behaviors in addition to Tourette's symptoms. Like I got in a lot of fist fights. I stole. I I did vandalism. I got in a lot of um, shenanigans with friends. You know, drinking, smoking cigarettes at you know eight six years old, and just all kinds of, of stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. Right, and so. I look back at my dad and I'm like, well, yeah, he beat the crud out of me a lot. But, you know, I knew what I had with my dad. He was the be- He might not have been the best dad in the world, but he was the best dad he could be, you know? And I realized that I wasn't the easiest kid. And I'm, I know I drove him completely nuts with my well, behavior. I, I, you know, you and I had a, had a similar, similar childhood. I, st- I I started smoking when I was eight. <laughs> I I got caught in front of in, in front in front of my house in a refrigerator box <laughs> with a cigarette. So um, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I go ahead. I fractured a couple of laws. I didn't break them that that yeah. much, but I fractured I fractured them. Yeah, no. So we had a very similar childhood, and I had a old old world Irish father with a very big belt. You know, so yeah. yeah, yeah. I I was six years old uh, before my parents divorced, and me and my brother would wake up at two in the morning, and we'd open up our parents' cigarettes that they kept in the fridge, <laughs> and we would smoke them and watch Friday the Thirteenth Part One and Two at, <laughs> at, at two in the morning because we weren't allowed to watch that. You know, mm-hmm. during the during the day. Uh, so we would do that. We would wake up in the in the middle of the night and smoke cigarettes and do that. I wasn't diagnosed till I was seventeen when my father's girlfriend showed him a, a newspaper article about someone with Tourette's, and she said to him, "She said, uh, this looks like Mark. This this article sounds and looks a lot like Mark. I had a lot of head neck thrusting, um, grimacing." Um, when I was younger, I used to bark in class. Um, my friends used to call me Mark Bark Art. Um, <laughs> and actually, um, I, I had these movements with my neck, and, and, and you can't see them now, but I, I demonstrate them when I give speeches. And one was side to side, which, I, which kids used to pay me to do these ticks, right? And one was, called, one, one, one was side to side, cranking my neck side to side, and they called that the twister. The kids came up with names for him. I had another one that was where I where I shifted my head in a circle, and they called that around the world. And then I had a, a, a synthesis 
a combination of both, which they called the works. And they used to pay me a nickel for the twister, a dime for around the world, and a quarter for for the works. And I keep telling people I should have kept charging with inflation. I'd be doing pretty good right about <laughs> you know. But I went through all of public school without without any assistance or accommodations that I definitely needed. When I was when I was in I lived in Long Island, New York, up until I was fifteen. And when I turned fifteen, my dad moved us to Colorado Springs, and and it was a tough tough time in my life. Uh, I didn't want to leave New York. I had a lot of great friends. I, 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 my ticks over that summer just seemed to explode. Like they became very prominent. And I've often wondered if it had anything to do with elevation. Maybe it had to do with puberty. But, but my ticks got much more pronounced. And so here I am in a new high school. I'm in tenth grade, and uh, you know I talk different than everyone else. Uh, I dress different. I, I definitely act different. And so uh, I, I got in a few fights. And early on, this one kid was was stepping on the back of my shoes as I was walking back into the building. And he kept doing it. And so I turned around and I knocked him one. <laughs> um, and then and then we start, you know, going to blows. And I, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not I'm not too humble to admit that I won that fight. But then I eventually grabbed him and held him until, until he would settle down. And at that moment, the athletic director of the high school came and grabbed the side of my face. Now, that means something different back, meant something different back then because now I'm a bald gentleman. <laughs> so I don't have hair. But back then I had a lot of hair. So it hurt. He grabbed my hair, he grabbed my face. And he started pulling me. And I said to him, I said, I, I let go of the kid. And I said, okay, 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 it's over, it's over. And he, and he kept pulling me. And so I, after about you know, 20, 15 seconds maybe of that, uh, I got a little ticked off. I was already heated. And I, I, <laughs> I, I kind of shrugged him off. And I said some not so nice words to him uh, in the hallway. And then he, uh, he grabbed me by the neck. And I shrugged him off again, again, kind of throwing my arm, you know, as I as I shrugged him off. Uh, and he went and he and he he, he grabbed he 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 kind of cocked back his, his arm like he was going to punch me. And then I went into I, at that point, I was distraught because I thought this large gentleman was going to hit me, pulverize me. <laughs> So I went to the principal's office, and they said that, that they have three witnesses in that I, I swung at him. Now, in hindsight, I can see how the shrug could have been perceived as a swing. So I was very angry at that point, and I got suspended for something like 10 days. I got cited. So um, after that, I committed a lot of vandalism in the coming months. I hosed down the gym with a fire extinguisher. Uh, I snuck into the, the pool area and, and threw the gym teacher's office contents in the pool, including her sneakers. I stole concessions. And, and, and this, I, I, I don't say this a lot, uh, but, but, but in the effort of being real, just to give you the, uh, a sense of gravity of how just where I was at as a child, 
like mentally and, and, and emotionally, like, um, I'm not proud of this for all the things we had done over these four or five months. And so all of it combined added up to about a thousand dollars worth of vandal. Now, let, let me ask you, have the kids that you're dealing with now, you've dealt with them for years. Have the kids taken, taken from you the, the love of writing? Have any of them gone into writing? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you asked that because I, I always tell people uh, when I speak or, or even just when I meet people on the street or, or, or meet, meet people organically in life uh, that, that writing is, is the, the first love of my life and then teaching is the second love of my life. And so I've been very fortunate and blessed that I, I, I was able to comprise a book of poems inspired, largely inspired about my teaching experiences. Now, the reason this is relevant, where, where I'm going with this is, is I also, at, at many of my schools that I've taught at, I've done a poetry workshop after school as an enrichment activity open to any kid, uh, usually third to fifth graders older kids but and sometimes i have gifted and talented kids in that those workshops sometimes i i have general ed students in that in that workshop but i've also been fortunate enough to have kids that i work with that have disabilities reading disabilities behavioral disabilities in those workshops and there's nothing more gratifying than what you usually with these workshops they culminate in a poetry reading where the kids get to read their works in front of an audience because there's no better compliment or gratification than to create something and say, hey, look, this is what I created. I want to show it to you. I want to share it with you. I want to share my emotions that went into this piece. And so um, a couple of years ago, A couple of years ago, I had a student. Um, I actually had two students um, that I worked with in, in the area of special education join my workshop. And one of them had a beautiful story about how she was, when she was born, she was two or three months premature and she had needles in her. I assume they were IVs. And, and, and the doctor told her mother, after so long of being in NICU, that she would not live to the next day. She was, she was that premature and that underdeveloped. As she wrote this poem, I remember one line, especially from this poem that she wrote. She wrote that her mother was sad, like, like a leprechaun missing, it, missing their gold, <laughs> right? So, so she said that, that that night that the doctor told her mom that she would not live to the next day, her older brother went to Walmart to get her a teddy bear. And she refers to this teddy bear as the magic teddy because the brother gave the teddy bear to her in NICU and, and said it was the magic teddy. And, and she said in the poem, as she's writing, as she's writing and reading this poem, that the, the magic teddy must have worked because she was still alive the next day. Wow. And, and, and seeing that kid at this poetry reading, there were like 50 or 60 people, teachers, adults, kids. 
And just seeing this student, she was in third grade and she had a reading disability, has a reading disability, and seeing her stand up in front of a crowd that size, you know, and just with the confidence that she exuded and the posture and charisma and standing up there and holding that microphone like she owned it was just the pro one of the proudest moments of my career. Um, and I actually wrote a poem about that experience with her. And it's in my, my new book. It's, it's in my new book. And so that, that was just, when I get to mesh the two loves of my life together, teaching and poetry, there's nothing greater than that. There's nothing greater than that. That's excellent. That, I'm sitting here listening to that, and I, I, can, I can feel a lump in my throat. Has she ever been published? You know, I believe the library did a, a poetry anthology that year, and I believe I submitted it to, to them on, on her behalf, uh -huh. and I believe they published it, yes. Excellent. Yes, I believe it was published. Have any of yes. your other students gone on to be published published authors that you know of? Not that I know of, but I do keep in contact with quite a few. Obviously, I'm not writing them every day, but on Facebook, I see them. They're, they're poetry students that I had that were, again, general ed students that are now doctors and, 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 and nurses and uh, engineers. And, and there are students that I had who have disabilities that are still going to college and raising families. And so that, that kind of leads me to another point, if, if, if it's okay for me to transition here. Sure. You know, success looks different for everyone, right? Exactly. Um, for some, success is going to college and getting a degree. Other success is going to a trade school and getting a trade and being a welder or being a, a restaurant manager. For others, success is raising a family and being a good dad and being a good husband. Exactly. You know, exactly. Success looks different for everybody. If it's okay, I'd like to touch on this this poem. There's a, a poem I wrote about two years ago, um, and I read it at conferences. It it has been published in a literary journal called The Awakenings Project, which is a literary uh, journal out of Chicago, Illinois, that publishes pieces of art that relate to mental illness. And I think one important part of my story is. When people ask me about Tourette's, right? Like I always hearken back to my first memory of having a tick, right? And my first memory of having a tick was when I was seven years old. And at the time I was with my mother. My mother and father had just decided to divorce and they were separated. And my mother was schizophrenic. And so she kind of went on this this mental health tirade where like every day she would, she would take me all around New York and sometimes to Montreal, Canada, where my grandparents lived. And just, she was in a, a, a rough place. My, my mother suffered in many ways that you'll see in this poem, but this was when I experienced my first tick. And, and I think I'll leave it at that, but I'd like to read this poem if that's okay. Sure, sure, go ahead. It's, it's, it's called My First Tourette. I was seven years old the summer my mother and father had decided to divorce. It had been weeks since I'd seen my father, but my mother had promised me I would go to camp instead. One day, she had me hop in the backseat of the car with a spiral notebook and an already gasped bottle of Pepsi. 
Are we going to camp today? I'll take you tomorrow. That night, we went to a diner in Mineola, sat down and ordered two sodas and two burgers. But four minutes after the waitress left, my mother hooked me by the arm and headed for the door. But I'm hungry. Your father's watching us. Can I say hi to him? The prayer, prayer pavement was par with my running to stay with my mother's pole. He's watching. The next day, we got in the car again, passing many of the same corners, stop signs, and songs on the radio. Are you taking me to camp today? Tomorrow. She ended up taking us to the emergency room instead. Why are we here? Because we're sick. What's wrong with us? We're allergic to dust. The nurse took my blood pressure. It's normal. And when she checked my ears, I told her my teacher said I have a hearing problem. The nurse jotted some notes down and said the doctor would be with us shortly. I sat there drawing in my notebook on a chair that felt like its legs were moving. After four minutes, my mother took me by the arm again. Why are we leaving? Because we're sick. The next day we drove again. Only the streets seemed longer, the stops shorter. My mother marrying cigarette after cigarette, playing tag with turning the windshield wipers on, off, on again, searching for the sort of God she wanted and the admission of a hurt carved from when she met my father at 17 after she ran away from the nuns in the convent who fostered her after she'd found her mother dead. In, a, in the bathtub, the night my mother fled the house and told her mother she wished she would die. Are we going to camp today? He's watching. When we got to customs, I decided we were going to see my grandparents in Montreal. But as we got closer, we drove the same four blocks around their house. My mother always slowing down near the depaneur, looking as though she recognized someone in, in the windows. We did that drive for hours. Are we going to see Granny and Grandpappy? He's watching. But I have to go to the bathroom. Looking at me as if she was playing with her food, she handed me a Pepsi bottle. Go in here. After I went, I grabbed my spiral notebook, took the spirals, and scrummed them across my lips. Back and forth. Back and forth. The amalgamation of the metal in my flesh happening my hands harder, faster, every time until it felt just right. Camp, we're sick, he's watching. The romance of a schizophrenia proxy to a child, raising an axis of imbalance until my hands tardied, my lips inked in blood, mouth blistered. We finally stopped at a gas station where my grandfather opened the back door, reminded me from my mother's hook, and ran. When I saw my dad, he said we were going home. He let me stand on the armrest in the car and stick my head out the sunroof the entire way home, the lying wind soothing my blisters. Only he didn't take me home to Long Island. He took me to 125th and Broadway, the fang of Spanish Harlem where I would meet the woman who would become my almost stepmother. The next morning, I woke up on the couch to the sound of, of a pan frying Puerto Rican chicken and rice, the sizzle antagonizing the dopamine, voodooing my mind from my spiral notebook. I went to grab the phone to call my father to ask about camp, 
when a woman with a mole the size of me and a bandana toteming her hair grabbed my arm, the bruise from my mother's hook still tender, and told me to hang up. You've got a face even a mother couldn't laugh. I gagged what tears were left, except for the one that rolled down my face and hit the last blister yet to scab. I named that one Mommy. Wow. <laughs> wow. You just took yeah. me on a trip. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a long poem, but I think it's it it, it says a lot about where I came from, uh, the genesis of my Tourette's, because Tourette's is chemical. It, it, it's a, the result of a chemical imbalance in the brain, but how it, it manifests uh, from what I've read and, and what I've, I, I know as a person who, who has it, how it manifests is also influenced by your environment and your, 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 your situation, your environment, the factors around you, your, whether it's your frame of mind or, or trauma that you've been exposed to or, or tense and stressful situations. Because there are times where people tell me, they're like, hey, I don't even notice your tics anymore. And, and they're right, because sometimes I might have a pretty good day and I might not have any ticks. Uh, but then there are other t moments, you know, and part of this is influenced when I sleep poorly or when I don't have enough sleep, because sleep obviously affects the nervous system. But there are days where I'm stressed or flustered or uh, upset over something and my tics are out, completely out of control. And, and so I definitely think that there's an environmental component to Tourette's. L let me ask you, are you born with Tourette's or is it, is it onset so, from, from exterior stimulus? So, so it, it is genetic in, by nature. Uh, so you are, um, it is a result of a chemical imbalance that you are predispositioned when you're born, when you're, you're conceived or, or somewhere down the, the, the pipeline. I'm not sure where. But it usually onsets. Uh, I've heard it onset as early as three, four years old, and then some people don't 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 have it onset till about thirteen, fourteen. I had mine at seventeen, and again, it waxed and waned. You know, I would have some ticks for a couple weeks, and then they metamorphose and maybe go away, and then something else would come back. What about the vocal ticks? Where you hear people? I mean. It, it, it this is kind of like a, a PG rated podcast, so I'm not going to go into. But they they yell out foul words. Yes, corporalia. Yes, yes. So I don't have that symptom unless I'm talking to my father. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, and 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 that is obviously largely what what people think of when they hear Tourette's, right? They think, uh, oh, you cuss, you cuss, right. Uh, you know, and, and actually only 10% of um, only 10% of people with Tourette's have that symptom. Now, I have a symptom uh, called pallalalia, which is similar to echolalia, which is, is pretty well known in the world of autism. Echolalia is repeating what other people say. So like uh, someone with autism might say, like if I said, okay, uh, they might say, okay, 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 right? Okay. So, but I have palalalia where I repeat myself. And so one summer I was teaching um, summer school and I was working with this junior high 
student who had autism, and I was demonstrating symptoms of my palilalia, saying, okay, okay, and she was demonstrating her echolalia of me. So, so we had a repeater repeating a repeater. <laughs> oh man! So, so it's kind of ironic how you know how sometimes those symptoms, those 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 different quirks in people collide in in the world. You know uh, that that actually takes me to another story. When I was when I was teaching in Denver, my first year um, in Denver, which was my sixth year in education. <laughs> I was uh, I was teaching in Westman in Federal Heights, uh, which is a, a a tough neighborhood in Denver. And I had started there, and I was there maybe about three or four weeks. And this lady, the other special education teacher that I worked with, that I shared a room with, she was a pretty pretty experienced teacher, and she was an older lady. And she said to me one day after school, she said to me, she said, "Mark, I have to talk to you about something," and she was not very polite about it. She said, I, she said, I noticed that you say okay a lot. And I said to her, my first response to her was, was well, that's the way I talk. You know? <laughs> I would have I mean, said okay. <laughs> well, well, yeah. So, so, so I tell her this is the way I talk. And I'm seeing this as a, an extension of my Tourette's that I can't handle. And so, so she keeps going on berating me. Uh, you say okay a lot. You say it too much. You say it to every student during every group, and you say it too much. You need to stop saying that. And after about two or three minutes of her, her, her verbiage uh, on this, I looked at her, and I said the only thing I thought appropriate. I said okay. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I don't know what to tell you, lady. I mean, we all have idiosyncrasies. And quirks about us, whether you have Tourette's or not, right? Really, like there are people. There are people that have no disability, no speech disability, and they say okay, or they say um, or they say hmm, yeah. or yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> we all have our our idiosyncratic behaviors, you know. And so I, 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 I found that very, very poor taste. I, I would. Very, you're, you're nicer than me. I would have said that's ignorant. I, yeah. You know, I ignorance is bliss. Yes, I guess. yes. But so, so I was, I was fortunate, though. So, like, like, here I am in Denver, and I'm working with this teammate, and I, 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 I'm working with some uh, old-school veteran teachers who, who I was having trouble fitting in. I was having trouble finding my niche um, my first year up in Denver. And then about November, I got called to a classroom and there was a student, a second grade girl, who the teacher reported to me was licking her chair. Now, I knew at that point in time in my, in my career that licking a chair was a sign of some kind of trauma. So I took the student to my room and I had a little conversation with her, nothing pressurized. Uh, just had a little conversation with her. And she shared with me that her 14-year-old cousin that she lived with was sexually abusing her and her little brother. Lovely. And so I took this naturally. I took this to my principal right away. And I was distraught. I mean, here's these two kids, these two babies. One was a second grader. One was a kindergartner. 
that I worked with, and uh, and they were going through this hor- horrific ordeal, and they were already in foster care with their aunt and uncle, so they had already been through the foster care system for several years and and been in abusive situations in other er- in other homes, and so I took this to my principal. She called the police, and and they ended up investigating it, and of course, like. The whole night I'm home thinking about these poor babies and I'm thinking about, you know, how horrible the story was that I heard. And my principal called me that night and she said that she got word uh, from one of the sheriff's deputies that investigated it, uh, that, that they found out that it was true and, and that they arrested the, the kid the 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 uh, perpetrator and that they found out it had been going on for a long time and that and that if i didn't have that relationship with that student that who knows no one knows how long it could have kept going on and so that was at the time where i said to myself i said hey even though i'm struggling in other facets in this in this job in this position that's when i knew right then and there that i was where god wanted me to be i was meant to be there for those kids if nothing else if i did nothing else for any other kid i was there for those kids to intervene on their behalf and that's where i tell people i say sometimes a relationship can save a life because i really do believe that that saved those kids lives that's right that's right well listen you know it's amazing that more people don't think like you. A lot of people, a lot of people look at people with disabilities and kind of push them to the side. And I think I said this to you. One of the most neglected minorities are the disabled, the people with disabilities. For some reason, people think people with disabilities are expendable. Yes. Uh, you know, and they look at kids with disabilities and they don't see a future for them. And it takes a special person, in my mind, to see a kid with a disability and know that they have a future. Having yes, a disability yes. doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't stop you from having a future. It, you may have no. to work a little bit harder. Yes, yes. But you definitely have a future ahead of you. Yes, yes. And the more people that realize that, the better off we'd all be. Amen, amen. And that actually takes me to another saying that I came up with for a meme. And it goes like this. In front of every disability is a person working hard just to level the playing field. That's right. So like, like like people with disabilities, um, like, like as a special ed teacher, I hear all the time from from other people, whether it's other parents or other educators or other staff members. Oh, why does that kid get, why does your student get that? I said, well, first off, it's our student because there's, they're a general ed student before they're a special ed student, right? And then I also say, um, that, cause they say that isn't fair. I said, well, I, I tell people all the time, fair isn't everybody getting the same thing. Fair is everybody getting what they need exactly so you know and talking about the futures like when i was 15 16 17 years old i had a black and white striped t-shirt that was similar to the uniforms they wore in the in in prisons 
mm-hmm. in the 50s and 60s. I'm, I'm sure everyone knows, has a picture of, of what I'm talking about. And and when I was, that year that I got caught doing all that vandalism and that fighting, my brother and, and my dad, they told me, they said, you better get used to that shirt because <laughs> you're going to end up in prison. They said, you're going to end up in prison. You're not even going to graduate high school. And, and by the grace of God, by the grace of the loving relationships I had from, from educators, from people in my life, support systems, I graduated high school. And even though it was an arduous journey, I graduated with a bachelor's degree. And then I went on to earn not one master's degree, but two master's degrees. And I'm the only person in my immediate family with a college degree. Look at that. Look at that. So, so I tell people at my conferences, I tell them, I said, I say, um, I said, there's no such thing as predetermination. Because if you saw me in ninth, 10th grade, you would have thought, hey, this guy, this kid is insane. This kid needs, needs mental health intervention, number one, <laughs> and be- behavioral support. But you would have also said that I would end up in jail. And you would have never picked... My friends that know me, my friends in New York that know what I was like, they would have never picked me to be a teacher. Never. I mean, it's so ironic. I mean, I literally was a teacher's worst nightmare. I mean, I say that on my website, but I really was. I mean, I'm, I'm just giving you the, the tortilla and the enchilada here. There's all kinds of stuff inside uh, as far as more things I did that I won't go into here. But but I was I was the case. I was I was I was a handful. Well I wanna um, I wanna let everybody know you're listening to this story and you're probably picturing like uh Fonzie. But look at the picture in the show notes of what Mark looked like. And you're never gonna match this story with this person. He's a much changed person in, in his older years. And yes. when he was younger, he was a juvenile delinquent. Yes, but yes. he's grown into he's grown into. Yes. Uh, yes. If you if you look at it, if you watched if you ever watched Happy Days, he was Fonzie in his younger days, and now yeah. now he's <laughs> with, Mr. With C. The hair and all. Now with he's the hair Mr. And all. C. <laughs> yeah, now Mr. C. Not to be confused with Mr. T. <laughs> yes. A <laughs> <laughs> Now, Mark, um, Mark is looking to do public speaking events. And yes. he has a story to tell that can change, can, can change the way people view children, especially with disabilities. And maybe change the minds of some people out there that have this twisted view of kids with disabilities. And you know, people are going to say, I don't have a bad view of kids with disabilities, but yet there'll be the same people that tell their kids, "Oh, don't don't play with those kids." Yeah. You know, to stay away from them like those kids have something that they're going to catch. I've seen it happen a million times. Kids with disabilities are no different than your kid that plays on the football team or the baseball team. You know what's different yes. about the kids with disabilities? They're nice. Yes. They're yes. friendly. They're loving kids. 
Yes. Amen. They, yes, yes. They don't have bad bones in their body. They're no. honest. <laughs> They're honest. Yes, definitely honest. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I, I actually have a friend, uh, a dear friend, uh, who has Down syndrome, and his name is Stony Pole. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's if that's not a name of a, a superstar, I don't know what is, but his name is Stony Pole. And I met him about 18 years ago through my best friend. He, he's my best friend's cousin. And uh, we bonded over wrestling. I'll never forget the first day I met him. He chased me around my, cousin, uh, my, my best friend's, his cousin's dinner table. He chased me around the table with a, with a pocket knife because I made fun of his favorite wrestler. <laughs> um, and, and, and through the years, um, at, at, my, at my best friend's wedding, Stoney gave a speech, like a five-minute long speech. And he said that when he gets married, I'm going to be his best man. Mark's going to be my best man. And so I've all, we've always re affectionately referred to each other as uh, as best man since then. And uh, and I always tell people, I said, you know, there's different kinds of smart, right? Like some people are real good in math. Some people are real good in reading. Some people are real good fixing things with cars. Mm -hmm. Some people are real good with people skills. And Stoney is a prime example of um, someone who, who, who has a different kind of, of intelligence and smart about them. One, one thing that stands out to me about Stoney is his loving nature, his honesty, and his, his candor. I'll never forget about 12 years ago, his grandpa was in hospice and uh, he was uh, pretty much comatose at this point. And I went with Stoney, his cousin, and Stoney's brother. We went to the hospice to basically to say goodbye to Stoney's grandpa. And we sat there for about 20, 30 minutes, not saying too much. And then we're getting ready to leave. And we stood up, and Stoney stood up, and he took our hands, and he said, pray. And he thought, he was, we were all thinking that. I am sure to this day, we were all thinking that we should pray or do something like that for, for his grandpa. But he had the bravery, the honesty, the courage, the candor, the candidness to say what we were too afraid to say. Sure. And, and that just, I think, is remarkable. I, I tell that story often. And so when I... When I talk about people with disabilities, yeah, I'm a teacher of students with disabilities, but I have friends with disabilities as well. You know, I volunteer with Special Olympics too as well. And so having a disability does not define me, nope. but it's, 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 not, it's, it's a large part of my world. And, and I am who I am, not despite my disabilities, but in loving response to my disabilities. That's... That's what drove me to teaching as a response to my disabilities. Well, um, I tell everybody, I am not my disability. Yes. When yes, you see me, true. when you see me coming, I don't ever want you to look and point and say, oh, here comes, here comes that guy in the wheelchair. I want you to say, hey, here comes Jimmy. If, yeah. If you got to look at me and say, here comes the guy in the wheelchair, just walk away. Walk away because yeah. I don't want to know you and I don't want you to know me. I want yes. you to know me yes. as Jimmy. 
Period. End conversation. Yes. I don't yes. want to be known as the one-legged guy. I don't want to be known as the guy that, you know, has problems. I'm Jimmy. And you yes. can you can either yes. call me the funny guy. You yeah. can you can call me the 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 pain in the ass. You can call me the scumbag. You can call me whatever you want to call me. Just don't call me the guy in the wheelchair. Yes, yes, yes. You know, uh, yes. that and that's the way I feel about it. I'm you know, I'm not I'm more than a disability. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it, I would never call you Mark the guy with Tourette's. Yes. Yes. I call yes. you I call you Mark the guy the guy that's got a couple of jokes, Mark the funny guy. Yeah. Mark the guy that's very patient because he waited three months for me to come out of the hospital. <laughs> Mark, I'm happy to do it, my friend. Mark, Mark the guy that waited because when I turned on the machine last night to do this, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know I'll, I'll call you a lot of things, but I'll never call you Mark the guy with Tourette's. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't define you in my in my book. In my well, and. and and, and a professor I had as an undergrad, I was an English major, and that's where I developed my love for creative writing. And this guy was actually my creative writing professor. His name was David Keplinger. He said this quote, he, and he used to say it often in classes, and I took about 12 classes from this guy. I took classes even after I graduated from him. But he had this quote, and I don't think it was pertaining to me exactly. I, I forget the exact context for it. But it applies to me, it applies to you, and I think it applies to anyone with any kind of challenge, whether it's a disability or anything else. And it's a, and the quote is, you can rule it or you can be ruled by it. And I choose to rule exactly. my challenge. Exactly. I, I am in control. You know, I'm the one with my attitude, my perseverance, my hard work. And these are all things that I talk about during my speech. During my speeches is, is you know, my hard work, my, the power of perseverance, the power of positive relationships, equitable treatment for anyone with any challenges. And, and even though most of my speeches have been towards the educational field, I, I do feel like there is a place for my speech in the private sector, specifically in the human resources divisions for companies. Uh, because, you know, people with disabilities aren't going away. You know, we are the largest minority in the world. That's right. And so, and so everyone deals with and, and works with people with challenges, disabilities. And, and I think it's, it's such an important message for people without disabilities to learn about the potential and the gifts and the uniqueness and the diversity of people with disabilities. Well, that um, that's where your speeches can come in so so handy, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, people people in the workplace they see people with disabilities and they tend to tense up. They're afraid. They see someone in a wheelchair and they, for some reason, and t correct me if I'm wrong. They look at a person in a wheelchair coming into work, and the first thing they think they have to do is talk loud, because yeah. for yeah. some reason they think the person in the wheelchair is hard of hearing. And <laughs> the the other thing is is 
they tend to overcompensate for them. You know, for a yes. person that's handicapped, like like they're not capable of doing certain things. I always say that you have to give the per the person with a with a disability, you got to give them the chance to show you what they're capable of. You know, yes, more credit, more, get, more credit and positive assumption. And that's um, where you that's where your your talks can come in so handy. I've heard you speak about like you today you're talking about teaching kids, but you can actually teach adults yes, how to yes. handle people with disabilities in the workplace. The sensitivity, yes. you know, people hear sensitivity and they think um, doilies and, and, and ribbons and bows. It's not that. You have to be able to give a person with a disability a chance to show you what they're capable of. Yes, yes. You know, and you're not going to hurt their feelings. One of the things that that irk me, being around people that are able-bodied and being in a wheelchair, is somebody that's so quick to say, here, let me get that for you. Now, I appreciate, yes. the, I appreciate the intention that they have, but don't think that I'm not capable of doing something. Otherwise, I wouldn't be there. Yes, absolutely. You know, it, it, absolutely. Not that it's insulting in a bad way, but it is kind of insulting when you think that I can't do it. If I need help, I'm going to ask you for help. Yes, yes. Don't just automatically assume that I need help because I'm in a wheelchair. I have a wheelchair yes. that has an elevator in it. Oh wow! I I I can I can lift up my 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 wheelchair lifts me up to six feet tall oh wow so i, I can grab things awesome. off the off the top shelf yeah yeah that's great you know the people don't realize that they just see you in a wheelchair and say oh let me get that and they mean they mean well they mean well yes. we know they yes. mean well but yes. sometimes yes. it just gets to you Yes. And if I need help, I'm going to say, hey, please, can you give me a hand? Yes. Yes. You know, I don't want people dropping what they're doing to come over and help the guy in the wheelchair. And yeah. By, by having someone like you come into a workplace for HR and say, look, this is, you know, and explaining this thing to able-bodied people and explaining that people have Tourette's and they're not being nasty. Yes. You know, they're not, you know, trying to make fun of you or, or or people that are blind or people that are hard of hearing. Yes. You know, having yes. someone e explain this to people, this is an important part of human resources. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I've actually been encouraged by some fellow teacher friends of mine uh, that tell me that I impact children, you know, maybe... 30 to 50 kids a year, right? Like mm -hmm. usually in a typical year, I have about 30 kids and then I might impact some other kids in other ways, whether they're genetic kids or, or other kids that transfer in and out. So I, I probably impact in, in a reasonable way, probably 50 kids a year, right? But my friend who's a, a high school teacher has recently encouraged me. He's like, you need to do more speaking. He's like, people need to know. He's like, I get parents of kids with disabilities and they don't know what to do with their child. They don't know what to do. He's like, 
I don't know what to tell them. He's like, you know what to tell them. You can be that source of inspiration, not just for their kids, but also for parents. Exactly. I'll never forget, I'll never forget at my first big speech, I was at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs doing a, 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 a luncheon speech. This was about 12 years ago, 11 years ago. And I was so nervous. It was my first big speech. Ticked a lot. I stuttered a lot. I, I did a lot of things. But after the speech, uh, um, I'll never forget, a lady came up and started talking to me. And she was in tears. And, and come to find out that her son, she came all the way from Grand Junction, which is probably five hours from Colorado Springs, which is where the conference was. And she was in tears because her son had just been diagnosed with Tourette's. And so, so, she, so for her to see me, she, she told me she came to this conference just to watch me speak. And my friend who attended the my speech as well said, that lady needed to see you speak, to see someone with Tourette's be successful, that is successful, and that is doing well in life. She needed to see that. For her child, because as a parent of a child with a disability, especially when the child is first diagnosed, right? Like you're thinking a million different thoughts. You're thinking, is this child going to require support, you know, when they're an adult? <laughs> what kind of support is going to get them through school? You know, what kind of advocacy do I need to play in their in their life, as far as school, as far as with their doctors, as far as vocationally, and so that was just such a a big thing. And 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 going back to what you were saying about you know not giving people with disabilities enough credit. Um, when I was finishing up uh, my bachelor's degree in Pueblo, Colorado. Um, I was working with a division of vocational rehabilitation counselor who was helping me with some supplies, some financial assistance, um, some guidance. <laughs> um, and at the time I had a significant stutter because I, I had recently at that point in time, about two years prior, I had sustained a toxic brain injury um, from some chemicals that I was exposed to and so as a result, I had uh, stroke-like symptoms. Uh, it exacerbated my Tourette's. Um, I began stuttering significantly at that point, to the point where I wrote more than I spoke because that was the medium that I could communicate my thoughts and express my thoughts most. So I, I go to this, uh, this counselor, and I wasn't ready to venture out into the big, bad world. My stuttering was still pretty bad. And I, I was thinking about going to grad school, and I had decided that um, teachers and educators were who impacted me most as a growing up. And so I wanted to be the same teacher for kids with disabilities that had similar struggles with me um, to, to the next generation, that similar to the, the educators that inspired me. I wanted to be that for the next generation of students. And so I, I go into this lady's office um, and I tell her, I said, hey, I want to go to grad school to get a master's degree in special education. And uh, and she looked me in there and uh, she said, Mark, we cannot support you in that. She said, she said, we will not support you in that. She said, with your stuttering, she goes, no one will understand you. 
No one will hire you. And I walked out of that office and I never returned. Hmm. And that was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life because I went on to grad school and yeah, it was a process. It wasn't easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was easy, but I persevered. I got my degree. I began teaching. I fell madly in love with it very early on. And I have been eternally blessed ever since. Excellent. Um, Excellent. Excellent. Now, let me, let me ask you the, the speaking, the speaking, the going out and doing public speaking. Do you have a web, uh, on your website, you have information about that, right? Yes, I do. And my website is www.teacherwithtourettes. And there's an S at the end of Tourette's. It's not Tourette. Uh, Teacherwithtourette's.com. And, and I have videos of me speaking on there. I have a blog that I uh, update regularly. I have a bio. I have information about the messages, the, pre- the, 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 the themes of my messages. I have testimonials. I have contact information. And you uh, will. So if, any, if you anyone will. ever... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You also have a have a, a newsletter on there. Uh, uh, contact for a newsletter? Yeah. Or a mailing list? Yeah I, subs- yeah, I have a mailing list. Yes, Jimmy. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, I have a mailing list. And so if anyone's interested to um, to go check it out, whether they're interested in, in me speaking for them or not, I'd love to hear from anyone who has any thoughts or feedback for me. Or, or even if they just want to say hello, you know, well, I, I, I welcome that. I welcome I, that. I tell you what, the, don't worry if you didn't get the website. It's going to be in the show notes. You'll be able to just click on it, and it's going to bring you right to Mark's website. Also, the your book, Finger Painting. Well, oh, fingerprints. Finger paints. I'm sorry. Where can they Where can they get that? Uh, they can get that off the publisher's website, uh, which I which I, I think is, I think you're going to put that in the I'm, notes. I'm going to put that in the show notes also. But is it also, also available also at Amazon? On Amazon? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Also on Amazon. Yes. I, yes. Well, well, we'll have links to that where you can just click it on, click on it, and it'll bring you right to the website. And I suggest, I'm going to suggest this to everybody listening, pick up a copy of this book. Because it's not the books like uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb, these books, these poet, these poems, t- tell tell stories that you heard it in one story, the racist story. I felt like I was right there. I feel like I know this kid just yeah. after listening to it, and the story about his first Tourette's. I feel like I went through the journey. I was tired after listening to that story. <laughs> I went through. I feel like I went through that whole story with him, and yeah. The man, the man's got a talent. Whether, whether you know, I was one of these people. If you told me to read a book of poems, I would have been like, "Yeah, okay," you know. <laughs> <laughs> but these stories that he has in this book, I've read some of them on my own, and they're phenomenal. There's no, uh, uh, no other way to say it. They're phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. So you have to check that out. And you have to check out his website. And I have to tell you one thing about Mark. I said it before. This man is patient. 
if you want to contact someone and have a conversation with someone, this is the guy to talk to. I feel like we've become friends over the last few months. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I got to tell you this. Mark contacted me like three days before I had a stroke. And I felt so bad because I contact, I, we talked. I set up a, a time. Yes, I want to have you on the, on, the, on the podcast. And then I had a stroke. And then I didn't answer him for a couple of weeks. Well, I was kind of in ICU. But <laughs> I thought, well, this guy thinks I'm blowing him off. And when I was in rehab, I contacted him again. And he's got to be the most patient man in the world. Well, thank you. It definitely paid off. I think I, I think we've become friends over the last few months. Yes, yes. And uh, he's got a phenomenal story. And if you have the need for a public speaker, if you have the need for someone to come in and educate you, on dealing with the disabled, this is the man to do it. Because he doesn't play games. He's well-educated, well-educated in this field. So contact them. And Mark, what's your email address? Uh, if- it's, it's, it's the same as, it's very similar to the website. It's teacherwithtourettes at gmail.com. All right, that's also going to be in the show notes. And if you just want to chat with Mark, Send him an email. He'll answer you. He answers everybody. Yes. Trust me, yes. he answered me. So <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was I was pleased to 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 make your acquaintance, Jimmy. You've uh, been awesome. Uh, you 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 as well. But send him an email. Ask him questions. He he's willing to talk to you about anything. Anything you want to know. Maybe you have questions that you are afraid to ask other people. About how maybe you have a child with disability, or a brother, or a sister, or a niece, or a nephew. Maybe you have a parent with di- with a disability. This is the man to ask questions of. Again, all his all his contact information is going to be in the show notes. Plus, I got a picture of the man, so this way you know Uh-oh. who you're talking to. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so his picture's in there too. But I want you, Mark. It, you had another poem. Please read that. Okay. Read that second poem before we close okay. this out. Okay. Yeah. So this poem, this is a poem I wrote my second year of teaching, and you know I often say that that teaching has been a healer for me. When I first started teaching, I I was kind of in the 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 middle of my stuttering. Like it wasn't at its worst, at its peak. But I wasn't completely, I couldn't speak 100% fluently. But teaching was a healer for me. Uh, Because I'll tell you what, you want to get over a stutter, you speak in front of uh, 90 kids at recess, telling them to line up and be quiet so we can go (laughs) inside. (laughs) And, And you will learn not to stutter because someone will call you out for it. But my second year of teaching, I was giving a literacy assessment called Dibbles. Uh, to a student, uh, a fifth grade girl. Um, her name was Alyssa, is Alyssa. And she had a, a pretty significant stutter. And I'll never forget hearing her read. My heart just broke because I had the empathy, not sympathy, not to be confused with sympathy. Very few of us want people to feel sorry for us, 
but I understood where she was where she was coming from and the struggles that she had reading with her stutter. She was a great reader. She could read every word. She just couldn't she couldn't uh, pronounce them fluently because of her stuttering. And so this girl, I actually, she never never was my student for academics, but she was someone that joined my poetry group and wrote some fantastic poems. She was someone that joined my plays. I, I wrote these plays of that wrote and directed these plays about diversity. And she was one of the characters. She was the character of forgiveness, which was a, a character of a trait, a personality trait personified. And she did wonderfully in these 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 productions and, and the poetry reading, even though she struggled with the stutter. And so I wrote this I wrote this poem uh, in regards to my experience with her, and it's called More Than a Disability, because as you and I touched on before, people with disabilities are much more than than just a disability. That's right. So this is more than a disability for Alyssa. You're standing next to me, trying to get out of your words, trying them on like new clothes that don't quite fit. You're stretching your sounds, filling in extra words that start rhythm to the sound zone. A big breath in, I wait, keeping eye contact so you won't feel nervous or think I'm going to finish your sentence. I want to hear it from you. Dear forgiveness, life is not fair. People are not fair. There are some who will wait on you like the wind waits on goodbyes and some who will try and speak for you, birds carrying seed not their own. Don't let the mockers stem you, a flower with tried roots. Remember, Beauty is a silk scarf roughing the rocks. Stay soft. The wind will tell you when. At recess, you run around in your green shoelaces, giving your friends the playground poke. Sometimes a boy pushes you on the swing, your arms letting go like a fire-taking spirit, saying higher, a two-teeth grin pursing your stutter. And even when you accidentally kick that boy, he still swings you. He still looks down when he tells you secrets his hands in his pockets, the, the twitch of time, owning a sweat only he cares, getting you like vision through glass. Forgiveness, were I able to shove that stutter out of your reach and into mine, I would not say another word. I would take a likely breath and watch you speak to that boy like those new clothes finally fit. But Kant doesn't play fair. It doesn't make things happen the way we pray why. So instead I'll just stand here waiting for you to tell me that kid who laughed at you at lunch is the same kid you helped during math when it's you that gives the morning its sake. It's not how you say it, but what you say. Thanks for filling my skies. That is in my, my current book, Fingerprint. That's probably my favorite poem in the whole book. Very, the, uh, very nice. Thank you. Very that, nice. The idea... People ask me about the title Fingerprints, and, and it evolved from a couple lines in the book that go, you scar your way, Oscar mine, recovery is its own fingerprints. And the idea behind the poems in the book, uh, just, just as a parting, parting thought, the idea behind the, the title of the book is that, you know, we all have injuries, we all have afflictions, whether they're emotional, physical, spiritual, you know, we all have these injuries and every injury and affliction is unique, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
my Tourette's is different than Johnny's Tourette's. My Tourette's is different than Nick's Tourette's. You know, we all have injuries and afflictions that are unique to ourselves. And so just like the injury and afflictions are unique, so is the recovery. So is the healing necessary. And so that's where it comes in that recovery is its own fingerprint because a fingerprint is unique to each individual. And that is, is, is the overall premise for the book uh, that deals with mental illness, abuse, and disabilities, whether they're stories of my students overcoming these issues and challenges, whether they're people that I was in relationships with overcoming these, these challenges, or whether they were my, my triumphs over these challenges. Excellent. Well, Mark, I have to say this has been a pleasure. This has definitely been a pleasure, and I hope to have you back on. I would love to be back on, I, Jimmy. I, I, I very much look forward to, to that I, day already. I, the, this, is, this has been great, and I want to thank you for being on here today. And thank you for having me. Well, definitely. And we'll talk again real soon. Great. All right, take care, my friend. All right, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. I'd like to thank Mark Chartier for being with us today. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for being with us today. And I want to remind you, take advantage of the 10% off at famousapple.com forward slash gift shop. Use the promo code MRC and the number one at checkout to get 10% off everything in the gift shop. That's famousapple.com forward slash gift shop and it's MRC and the number one and you'll get 10% off everything that's available in the gift shop and that promo code expires on June 19th 2022 so thank you again for being here thank you again for all the kind words that you've sent me in texts and emails and messages I really appreciate it. We're coming back and we're we're going to fill it up. We're back and we're coming back with vengeance. <laughs> we have a lot to say, a lot a lot of people. We have a lot of guests lined up. You're not going to want to miss an episode. And I want to just remind you. I want to remind you and believe me, these words have meant a lot to me over the last few months. No matter what no matter what, things can always be worse. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse, my friends. Believe me, those words are very true. Well, thanks again for being here today, welcoming me back. And I'll talk to you again very soon. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to An Apple A Day with Jimmy Apple your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.